0: sports radio. Hope you're having a good day. Doug Gottlieb show broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. You know what's interesting about uh, last night's college basketball games? Aaron Zoda and Gonzaga both eliminated and both are among the four or five most fun teams to watch. Like, Look, basketball, it's more fun when they run it up and down. They're scoring. They're spreading it out. But it did feel like there were some similarities in what stopped both of those teams. We'll get to that upcoming. And, like, look, the Gonzaga thing, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, they're the only ones in the Sweet 16 seven years in a row. They've been in their conference championship game 25 consecutive years. They've been to two... National Championship games. Haven't won either. One, they lost by a bucket. The other one, not so much last year. But I, I, I don't know if we begin the, not a total heel turn, but from cute little Cinderella to, are they overhyped? Are they underachieving? We'll get we'll get to all that discussion upcoming in the show. By the way, you can always hit us up on Twitter, at Gottlieb Show. Also on Instagram, at Gottlieb Show and we have the Doug Gottlieb Show fan page on Facebook where you can download and listen to the, the podcast, but you can also make comments and uh, I'll get on there and, and, and message you back if, if you'd like as well. So th- those are the ways in which you can get get, uh, get in touch with us. Reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race and competition, it is always on the Whoever you root for, whatever sport you love to watch, the biggest games are even bigger in Las Vegas. So be sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Deshaun Watson, we got a chance to hear from him for the first time in over a year. And over a year, he uh, he appeared along with Andrew Berry, who is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. He's now officially a Cleveland Brown. So let me let me start. Like, there's two parts to this which are weird, right? Just weird. First is, here's a guy who still has 22 pending civil cases against him. And and he's been traded and given a five-year guaranteed contract. And then the Browns still have Baker Mayfield under contract for around $19 million. And yet here this press conference is that he's going to be the quarterback of the Browns for at least the next five years. Uh, Let's... Let's start with this, because okay? cause these are... These are the parts that matter. Here's Andrew Berry understanding the weight of this transaction.
1: We, as an organization, know that this transaction has been very difficult for many people. You know, particularly women in our community. We realize that it has triggered a, a range of emotions. That, as well as the the nature of the allegations, weighed heavily on all of us. It was because of the the weight of the anticipated reaction and you know the the nature of the allegations that really pushed us to do as much work as possible in terms of understanding the cases and who
0: Deshaun was as a person. Okay, so it's about who Deshaun was as a person. And as I've, I've told you throughout this entire process, having spoken to uh, several director of player personnel, directors of college scouting, and general manager, I spoke to all of... Uh, not... With, with the Texans per se, but with other teams and guys that filled those roles at that time when he was drafted, all of them have said, look, we do deep background dives into quarterbacks and guys we might draft. We did a deep dive into Deshaun. We didn't find anything. So this, is, this was news to a lot of people. OK, maybe not news to people around him or whatever. We'll get to the volume of massage therapists, which is really that that's the part that d- something doesn't smell. That doesn't pass the sniff test. Um, but there's Andrew Berry. Like, look, we understand there's a lot here. We get it. here's Deshaun Watson on showing people his
2: character. I want to be able to show that eventually and get out into the community. I've always been hands-on in the the community of Houston, back home in Gainesville, back home in Clemson. And that's what I want to do is be able to get back to that person that people knew I was before, before all these allegations.
0: Yeah, I I don't really mind the idea of hands-on, but it is a mm, interesting choice of words, right? Um, Felt like they had prepped for this presser and they did a good job there was one big exception like this one and and this is it's hard i i thought andrew berry did a great job he, here's something i have said repeatedly repeatedly to people so what you're going to hear from andrew berry and don't play it yet ramos give me one second is what he th- there has been criticism of the browns From some because he didn't and the Browns didn't speak to the accusers or the accusers attorneys. Now, as I've told you, I've spoken to some high powered attorneys and they're like you can't speak to the accusers or their attorneys. Don't believe me. Here's Andrew Berry as to why. Yeah, Andrew, just to be clear, uh, nobody from the Browns or representing the Browns spoke to any of the 22 women who've made allegations. Correct. Like I mentioned earlier in my opening
1: statement, our attorneys advise us that reaching out directly could be considered interfering with a criminal investigation.
0: Correct. You can't. You can't reach out to anybody individually and reaching out to the attorney doesn't really, it ain't really going to help you. You know, it ju- just isn't. It just will be, it can be misconstrued as interfering with any investigation. Go back and look at anybody who felt like, and, and what inevitably happens is whoever the accusers are, don't feel like they were heard or heard out or that there was an immediate reaction, knowing that it is like that's not how it works you don't say what you believe happened and all of a sudden action comes into it but but here's the here's the one that i guess you call it the gen z defense Deshaun Watson was asked why so many massage therapists. Here's his answer.
2: Uh, Yeah, I can't get too far into detail because there's an ongoing investigation still. But I can say that with this now day and age, especially with my age group, social media is a big business part that that goes into it. So that's, you know, a factor into it. Social media.
0: I I don't I, I don't really understand that one, that that that. Why'd you use so many, you know, social media with people my age? It's become a big part of the business. I like am I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on that one. That one doesn't then pass the sniff test. Sniff test, by, by the way, is one of the great metaphors of all time, right? Is this shirt clean? Sniff test. Did I need a shower? Sniff test. Everybody, everybody, get I'm like, oh yeah, sniff test. I get that one. Deshaun Watson, why'd you use 22 therapists or maybe up to 40 therapists? Mm, social media. <laughs> yeah, that's now. Let's let's go back for another one. I don't. I I I don't understand the social media. If you're not gonna say anything, then don't say anything. But given a social media, that ain't it. That that is, that is definitely, definitely not it. Huh. Not it in any sort of way, man. Stug Outlib show here on Fox Sports Radio. Jay Stu, did you do you buy the social media? Well, why did you use so many th- social media? That's my age business. Yeah,
3: it's I, the it's the classic answer that now leaves more questions than answers. I mean that you, you just can't do that. You you have you had to be prepared for that question, and that's what people told you to say like that. That doesn't give us anything at all. What does that even mean? We know that he contacted all these on social media, but how does that explain
0: why you use 40 or whatever it was? I don't know. I don't know. I don't don't know how somebody, because here's what happens is they, I'm sure these guys, it's just like a debate. Like they did prep for this. So that was the best answer they could come up with. And there's probably a PR team that's like, what do you guys think? Social media? Yep. 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 That, that's it. That's the one we want to go with. I, I don't know. I, I don't get that one either. Um, he did come out and just, he, he, was, uh, he was asked why he should be believed. Here's his reason. Here's his, his reason.
2: I can't speak on what people's opinions are, but what I can continue to do is tell the truth. And for me, that's to continue to push forward and, and show people that who I really am. And I want to continue to open that up and be able to have people come to me and, and be able to talk to me about you know, certain things. Uh, here's the Q&A on asked if he will settle these, these suits. Will you
1: try to settle the 22 civil suits?
2: That's not my intent. My intent is to continue to clear my name as much as possible. And that's what I'm focused on.
0: Okay, that's not his intent. Now I, I will I will make sure to say this because it's really really important. If you settle a civil suit, it, it is not in any way an admission of guilt. And I I understand that it all makes us think, well, he must be guilty if you settle. Okay. But anyone will tell you, like you just don't want your personal life out in the public air. And you could say, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, like yeah, the problem is that if he there can be some uncomfortable things said on Instagram that have nothing to do with this. That can get his text message to become public, can become public record. Everything could become public. Now, there's civil suits, so I don't know the level of, of of publicity that some private things can see. But there are just some things that you don't. The reason that a lot of corporations settle is not because they feel like the corporation did anything wrong. But it's more the idea of, is it really worth it? to pay the lawyers, to go through all this stuff when something outside of the normal purview of the said case can be put on public display? The answer is probably not. Now, Mary Kay Cabot, who joined us yesterday, she asked Deshaun Watson about seeking counseling. Here was his response.
2: It's hard for me to say the counseling part because I don't have a problem. You know, I don't, I don't have an issue. That's what I've been saying from the beginning. So this situation is, is def, it's tough and it's very difficult. But me as, a, as a, having a problem going to counseling and things like that, I'm willing to talk to people about circumstances to make sure I'm not getting back in this. Here's Deshaun
0: Watson on what actually happened. Here's the Q&A.
2: Can you tell us about what actually
0: happened with these women? Are you saying that they all just made this up, they're all lying? What actually happened?
2: Um, all I can say is, again, I've never assaulted, i never disrespected, and i never harassed any woman in my life. I wasn't raised that way. I would, My mom and my aunties didn't raise me that way. Uh, the course of my life, that's not in my DNA. And as far as the details of actually the things that they're alleging, I can't speak on that because the, there's an ongoing investigation. But, um, you know, in the future, once everything is resolved, I will sit down and love to talk about it.
0: I would sit down and love to talk about it. So somebody's going to get that first interview. Obviously, whoever does it is going to have to go through kind of a list of things, and uh, it's going to be all hand-selected, all PR. All right, so here's what we're going to do, okay? John Middlecoff's going to join us upcoming next. We'll ask him how much of this he buys, how much risk is there, does he like it, what now of Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then there's this growing rumor out there about Tom Brady. Coming on next could the Dolphins get Tom Brady? No, seriously. Could the Dolphins get Tom Brady for next year? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all
1: of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
0: What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. mm-mm. Mm -mm. Oh, we got a lot to get to. Um, I'll play for you some of the things Deshaun Watson said. And you'll be like, yeah. Like, this is is a question I have. And Jason, help me out with this one, okay? One of the cuts that you heard Isaac Lowenkron play is this the, Deshaun Watson's defense of uh, the fact that he would never do anything that he was accused of is, "Hey, I was raised by a single mom. I was raised to respect women. Was anybody not raised to respect women? Were, 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 are there people out there like don't respect women? His parents like don't respect women." Yeah, I mean, I mean we all have moms. It's but- like, like, look, I I can speak to this, okay, because <laughs> I was involved in criminal behavior over 25 years ago. At Notre Dame, and you know what I—I I, I, what drives me insane is it's like, and I've had somebody in my life that was like, well, you know, you were how you were raised, like you don't think I was taught right and wrong? <laughs> you like I'm not blaming my parents for my idiocy. That's the last thing I'm doing. It's definitely not how I was. I was not raised to steal anything. It's like my parents are like, I oh, stole something. Don't worry about it. It's No big deal. Uh, you know. Eh. The man they had it to come into it like, like what? Like it's just, it's it's beyond dumb dumb talk. That's one of those answers, okay? That's one of those answers. Honest to God, here's what I'm gonna tell you, it works in college, and it works in the South. Right? All you gotta do is my mom, or my parents, and the Lord and Savior, and people can't ask you about it. Right like, look, I was raised right and wrong, a single mom, she'd be like, "Great, your mom sounds awesome, okay <laughs> I mean, I don't know this 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 whole like i was i was I was raised right, like there's plenty of people who have done things wrong in their life, myself included, that were raised by good parents who taught you to do the right thing just because you don't do the right thing is not does not it's not always an indictment of your parents not always a, a and and this is not always well a dad he's a, a daddy issue right doesn't have his dad no sometimes you just you get full of yourself so I you know I, I that that defense was kind of laughable like I, I was raised by a single mom taught taught me right from wrong well what parents didn't teach their kid right like there are parents out there but come on man Yeah. I mean, the thing that you
3: said last hour that I thought was was smart is like he answered that question about the contract and we all know he's lying. I mean, that was that was an obvious front. And then you're like, okay, if he could lie that easy to our faces, what else is he lying about? And when he says he's never once been disrespectful towards a woman, that's that's just hard to believe. I mean, accidentally you could be disrespectful towards a woman. It's like, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I mean, like, look, we could get into the lawyer talk and you could go like, hey, I've never intentionally disrespected a woman. That that would be better. Like, I've, I've never like, you know, and I get what he's saying. What he's saying is like, I never made anybody do anything. You know, I, I, I understand that defense. But the, the other part you're saying, which is that's the same one to me, which is like the OK, well, if if you can lie about the contract thing. How much did the, he was asked? How much did the contract play a part? Well, I didn't even talk about the contract till after I already said I was going there. Like, no, you didn't. Nobody believes that, and it's not true. So that one is, and so when you tell me something which is fairly definably false, right? Wait, wait. So you just you want to go to Cleveland because you like the idea of Cleveland? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that one. I don't buy that one especially when there was a bunch of different suitors at play there. You know, there had to be something that put them over the top and made them come back to the table or made you come back to the table with them. And and look, when they say it's not about the money, it usually means it's always completely about the money. Doug Gottlieb's show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. Can I get to the games last night? The show is brought to you by a place who's going to host the Western region next year. I said this yesterday, and people hadn't looked. Next year, the regional finals, that's the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, in New York City, Madison Square Garden, unbelievable sight. It's so good. Okay, Louisville, which the arena, I don't know, Indy's arena is about as good as any you're going to find in America. Louisville's arena, I think, is great as well. They're, They're different sorts of setup, but that place is, Yum Center is awesome. And the city is an amazing basketball city, and it's more. Indy's the same way. It's not as walkable, and they don't have the dome like Indy does. But you got the river there. You got the restaurants and bars really, really close, closer even than in Indy um, to to the dome. The, the best the bars and restaurants aren't as close to the new dome because they moved it down uh, south like a mile. Not not a mile. They they moved it to the other end like of the property, but. Um, I, I think Louisville is as good a site as you're going to find. Then Kansas City, again, same thing. If you haven't been, this used to be the Sprint Center. Is it T-Mobile? Didn't, did T-Mobile buy Sprint? I I forget who bought who. I think T-Mobile bought Sprint. Anyway, that arena downtown, like right by the Powell and Light District, that's awesome. And then in Vegas, those are the regionals next year. Anyway, uh, this show is brought to you by Las Vegas, who's going to host an NCAA uh, uh, Sweet 16 next year. <laughs> Las Vegas, your home for live sports. If it's any sport, every game, match, race, competition, it is always on. Now go on playing your trip at visitlasvegas.com to see the best and the brightest in Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Gonzaga lost last night. Uh, this is not disrespectful to Arkansas. Bobby Bones, who, of course... We knew going in... Uh, th- Bobby Bones is going to join us next hour. Uh, we'll talk some Arkansas Razorback hoops and, and uh, the the Colin of the Hogs chant, and if you guys actually like that, I do. But, the loss is about Gonzaga. And Dan Beyer pointed out, he's like, hey, could Gonzaga become Duke when Mike Shashevsky retires? The problem is, you gotta win national title, right? It took Mike Shashevsky five Final Fours before he finally won one. Duke's been to, uh, uh, Gonzaga's been to two. But, this is seventh consecutive year they go to Sweet 16, and they lose last night. now, Here's here's an important thing to, to that I recognize that I hope you do as well. Winning is really hard. Like Jay Wright is no worse a coach now than he was when he won two national championships. Yet after winning two national championships, they haven't gotten to this point. Now they're back, and I would say that you know Jay Wright's teams are better now than they were before his first final four when he was at Villanova, and then they went through a downward swing, but. I would say they're closer to being America's team because they've won two national championships than Gonzaga has, even though Gonzaga has been kind of great for longer. But what's missing? What's the missing element to Gonzaga? I think I figured it out. Okay. Now, let's start with this as a premise. I think the program's amazing. I think they produce more than just basketball players. It's a great atmosphere. It's a great community. It's one that welcomes in those guys, and they become kind of a zag for life. I kind of think that's what college sports is about. Like, if you go be a professional, that's great. Now you have a home base. You can always come back to Spokane and live there and, be, and still be a part of the family. Like, it's really kind of cool. But all of those guys, the former zags, they know you got to win a national title in order to kind of solidify their legacy. That's just what you need. This was Mark Few after the loss last night. They were physical at, at all five spots, and, and uh, uh, we actually got some looks that we
1: liked, and the ball was in the right people's hands, as I told them afterwards. That's why we're in this position, because you know you guys got the right shots and took the right shots. We just they just didn't go in. So they Arkansas deserves a lot of credit. That defense is real, and uh, we just could never really
0: generate any good consistent rhythm against it. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, so there there's part of that clip which I do like, where he recognizes the the athleticism and the physicality of Arkansas, and the fact that their defense is real. The, the problem is that there's a portion of it, and I I'm also reasonable understanding that coaches. What they say post-game is not always how they truly feel because you don't want to call out players like, this guy stunk, that guy was soft. But he felt like, and again, I'm taking Mark's words. It's Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Mark felt like they had good shots that they normally make, they just didn't make them. And my point would be, if you watch that game, and you watch the Memphis game, there's no question both teams really athletic, really, really physical, and allowed to play physical. That was a big question for me. If you if you can't touch Gonzaga, they're going to beat your brains in. If you can get physical with them, now you got a shot. But if if Mark's real takeaway is, we just didn't miss shot, make shots, then I, I think their mentality is wrong. Their mentality is wrong. The reason you went, the, the reason that Houston kind of mauled Arizona, the reason that TCU nearly beat Arizona, Memphis had a shot, Villanova continues to win. There's a, there's a toughness quotient to the equation. There's toughness, tenacity, defensive connectivity. I, I feel like if Villanova would have lost – They wouldn't have said, hey, we just missed some shots. They would have said, we missed some assignments. We missed some box outs. We didn't remember the scouting report. And you don't hear that from Gonzaga. You hear the, you know, those are shots we normally make. We just didn't make them. Which, though there is some reality to that, the speed, quickness, toughness, physicality, athleticism of Arkansas, that's the reason that you got sped up. That's the reason you missed easy shots because they're not as easy because of the physicality and the depth of talent of Arkansas and the defensive styles of Arkansas. So I I don't know if I'm making sense to you, but it it felt a little bit like Mark was making a little bit of an excuse. Hey, man, we just didn't make shots. When the truth is, like, I don't know, I kind of felt like they got pushed around. And until you get to the mentality, like, I've always believed this in – Something that was taught to me really early in college basketball is um, the difference in a mature player or a mature team in college basketball is much the same. Younger teams, guys that aren't crazy mature, when they make shots, they play unbelievable defense. When they don't make shots, their defense lets down. Mature teams or guys that kind of get it. When they miss shots, they get ticked. And they decide – that They're going to use their defense to take out their own offensive frustrations on the other team. I don't feel like Gonzaga's gotten necessarily there as a program. They're way better defensively than they used to be. They're way more athletic than they used to be. Now they're recruiting one and done, some of the best players in the country. The, the next step is going to be eliminating the mentality of you got to make jump shots. you got to make shots to win games. No, you got to get stops and steals and rebounds the teams that won last night were the tougher teams this is the best
1: of the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio
0: Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio Mm-mm-mm. check out the latest lines in the world of sports betters Sportsbook. betters is the most trusted name in online sports betting you must be 21 President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, there's a guy named Dale Arnold. First of all, I think the world needs to somehow circle back to the name Dale. Dale is a great name. And there's been a lot of successful Dales, right, that really have. Dale's an awesome name. What is Dale short for? Anybody? Is Dale short for anything? I don't think so. Is it, or are you just asking us? Because uh, <laughs> if you have the answer, then I would say, I don't know. But if you don't, I'd say, I don't think so. Well, I don't believe Dale is short for anything. Okay? I don't but but if somebody can. <laughs> I'm with you, by the way. I don't think it is either. If, I, it's, it's just one of those great names. Like, I mean, right? You have, um, you, you have a, there's, I, I actually, I was so fascinated by Dale. I was like, how many great Dales have there been, right? There's obviously Dale Earnhardt. That's a that's a pretty notable person. There's Chip and Dale, but those are fictionary <laughs> those, those are fictional uh cartoon characters, right? And then there's the Chippendale dancers, that's a completely different sort of fiction. Right? Wasn't, wasn't there a basketball player? Was it Dale Ellis? There was Dale Ellis, yeah. That's right. Dale Ellis was uh he was kinda like um uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Steph Curry's dad, All right? Dell Curry. Um, D- Dell Curry. Yeah. Del Curry. Now Dell's a great name as well. Yeah. Dell is short for something, where um, where Dale is not. I yeah. I
3: have I have no proof of it being short for anything. If you call a woman Dale, it's short for Delina or Delana. But no no male has a, a short or a longer version
0: of Dale. Okay. Um, there's Dale Ellis. There's Dale Jarrett and Dale Earnhardt. So we have, Dales are generally, generally dominate NASCARs. But there is a, there's, there's a Dale, by the way, Dale, Dale Ellis was not a good, he was a People forget. He was a great player in the mid eighties. That's like a 25 a game guy. And he would have been even better in this era because he was back in era when he was shooting, you know, six threes a game and no one else in the league was. Six seven guy had that perfect square jaw anyway i I, 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 uh, I remiss. Um, Dale Arnold is the guy who first he's credited with the the guy who first said that Tom Brady would go to Tampa. So going back to the well, WEI that's one of the two big stations in Boston had Dale Arnold on yesterday, and Dale said um, both parties are working on it, him going to the Dolphins. Th- think about this, to the Dolphins. Now, Brady actively recruited Ryan Jensen as a center, defensive back Logan Ryan, Leonard Fournette to sign contracts to the team. Um, he's, he's reached out to wide receivers, so it would be counter- It would be counter to everything else we've seen that he's – why would he want to go to Miami if he's recruiting guys to go to Tampa? On the other hand, why would he come back to Tampa if he wasn't happy with Tampa? And is the Miami thing simply leverage? Look, Darrell Arnold called it with Tampa to begin with, so there has to be some sort of validity to whoever his source is. And Miami was definitely a finalist last time around, and it's probably a better city for his wife and for all the international things that she wants to do. But that that does seem like a bit of a stretch, doesn't it? Why come back? If you want to be in the NFC South, which is down, why recruit guys if you want to go switch places? John Middlecock joins us. Uh, Three and Out po- a podcast. Uh, download Three and Out. It's awesome. I want to get to football in a second, okay? Uh, but you love hoop. You love gambling on hoop. I just want to, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to play for you. Do we ha- I don't know if we have the sound. Mark, Mark Few after the game last night. And look, I want to make sure that when people go running back to Fuey or Gonzaga, people like you said, like no, this is I track exactly what I said. That's an awesome program. They play fun basketball. If my kid's good enough, I'd absolutely love for him to play there because you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna win a lot of games. You're gonna open up the court, and the point guard gets to make a bunch of decisions, and you're gonna play with great players, and you play with good kids. Like the whole thing is great, but there is one thing missing there. There's just one kind of missing element. And there is a football kind of correlation between the two, John. After the game, he was like, you know, we just we miss shots. Like if you think you lost because you missed shots, we're watching a different game. I thought they lost because of just the toughness, tenacity, speed, quickness, athleticism of their opponent, which nearly is what upended them against Memphis, did upend them against Arkansas. And it it reminds me of reputation-wise, whether you want to say West Coast teams or teams that throw the ball a ton. Like you get to the playoffs, and you better run the football, and you better you know you better stop the run. It's there's a little bit of Chargers to it, right? Like you get, don't get it twisted. Teams win and teams lose because of their toughness and the basic fundamentals. Am I wrong that in watching last night, that's that's what it felt like to anybody?
1: Yeah, I mean, I listen, I. I worked at Fresno State, and, um, you know, when I was there, Chris Peterson was, like, in his heyday, and they were they were an unreal program. And the one year that Kaepernick beat them at Nevada, I, I thought they could have competed against the best teams. But I also saw the schedule that, you know, we played at the time that was the WAC, it's now the Mountain West. It's just not the same. I, I texted someone, uh, it wasn't you, it was Haberman last night. Like, do, do you think that, uh, that Arkansas – would have, do you think they would have won some games in the WCC? And I think there's an element, like you played in the Big 12, and if you just watch the Big 12, for example, this year, in basketball and football, it, it was a really good conference. And there is a level that it's why I defend when people get up in arms about, like, the SEC is overrated. The conference schedule hardens you. And I know St. Mary's was solid this year, and obviously USF solid too. But to me, there's a level of hierarchy in the conference play that I just wonder. I mean, last year Gonzaga's team was really good, and obviously this year I think they're good too. But to me, there's a level of when you just don't play – the intensity of the games for basically two and a half months or, you know, depending on how the, sometimes they start playing the games a little earlier in December or whatever. But you know what I mean. That hardens you. That's why the thing in the NFL, like, if you're a good team in the NFL, like you're going to be ready for the playoffs. And actually, you could look at the Cowboys this year. You know, that division was terrible. But for the most part, in pro sports, it's, it's impossible to avoid. It's not necessarily true in college sports, and specifically college basketball, now that a team like Gonzaga – And listen, the WCC is very respectable, but not relative to, like, the SEC or the Big 12. You know, would they just have these... I don't even know what their record was this year, but remember last year they had an incredible record. Like, would it be the same if they played in the SEC or the Big 12? No, of course not. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, right? And and you just wonder, I don't really know what their option is. It's not like, because the Pac-12, they don't have a football program. But, like, I, I do wonder if playing in that conference doesn't prepare them. And even you could argue football is a little different cuz just, you know, a one, you just have to play the one bowl game. Like to win the national championship, you got to win the six games. And the last two years now, they've run into just an athletic buzzsaw and, and really got worked, you know. Yeah, and and I, I, Arizona got Arizona got worked last night too, but I don't think we question consistently the athletes they have in the program,
0: right? No, I do think there's a little bit of uh, of when you're an offensive-minded team, uh, teams derail you with toughness, and 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 I also think I think the level, the volume, the the thing for Gonzaga is the volume of athletes you face in those bigger conferences is just it's just different. The length is different. The the sport is different, and it's not the WCC. St. Mary's a hell of a program, good team, but they're never going to have huh. the level of athletes that you have in the SEC. You're just not, yeah. you know, um, unless you're cheating your brains out, which they're not. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's what you have All right, let's get let's get to football. What do you think of how Deshaun handled the press conference?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this today because I was following along at the gym, like seeing all the quotes. Th- there's no way because I, I saw some people tweeting like, "This is this got even worse than expected." Th- there was no way for this to go well. Uh, you know, I, I can imagine Stefanski, the general manager Andrew Berry. How could you sleep much last night? Because you know this thing's just going to be a war zone of very uncomfortable, as it should be. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything he can possibly say today. You know, obviously he pledged his innocence, and you know, but he, you know, he has to draw a line. I'm not some legal analyst, but clearly there are things that you know he has to go to a point, and then he's like, ah, I can't go into detail here. Which you know, is that true? Is that not true? I, I've never been really in a courtroom, so it's hard for me to, or no judges or lawyers to know the if that actually is. But uh, I, I know I've always thought. And I've never been in one of these situations. If someone came after me for something, sexual assault, right, anything that just makes us cringe, if I was 100% innocent, I don't think I'd keep my mouth shut. And I know that that is not what these lawyers, they preach the opposite, right? But I just, those situations are, and I saw a bunch of older NFL, I thought Schlereth was tweeting about, you know, he was asking about the situation with the 40 massage therapist, and his answer was pretty stupid. Because you can't just say, "Yeah, I, I did it because I was sleeping with the women. right? And, and we've said over and over, there, there's nothing, there's nothing legally wrong with having consensual sex with a random massage therapists, right? I, I think the question is just like, did anything happen in any of these situations? And no one knows except those two people. In every, you know, <laughs> do the math, right? Twenty-two or however many, you know, are coming after him. But there's just no way for the Browns to know, absolutely none. Uh, they can take him at his word, which. I'm sure he pounded the table. He was innocent. He did nothing wrong. Everything was consensual. And it's one thing to take a guy at his word. It's another thing then to cut him the biggest check in the history of the most profitable league in America. Like that's To me, that's where it kind of got crazy. If they had just traded for him and said that it's going to be, you know, they're going to honor the contract that he had, right, which was big, and just say to figure it out as we go, we have no problem if he proves and this goes away, to extend him here in the near future. But the way they did it, Part of it also feels like the only reason he chose you guys is because of this. If, if you hadn't done this, he was going to go to another place. So, I mean, that's the elephant in the room, right? Is like the reason you have him is because you basically gave him Steph Curry's contract. I mean, that's, uh, if, if you hadn't, he wouldn't have chose you. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, the talent on your team or definitely not geographically where you are. I mean, he had said he wanted to play in a warm-weather place and think about the teams that were coming after him, right? But it felt like he was going to end up in Atlanta or with the Saints. And it felt, you know, kind of the ACC, SEC country. It made, it made a lot of sense. Uh, but then they came in with this offer that, let's face it, any human being in his position, if you put himself in the – if you put, like, ourself in his shoes or the agent's shoes, would go to Cleveland.
0: Yeah, he, he said <laughs> – he tried to – like, the two things which appeared to be I, – I, I, and I can't think that they weren't prepared for because they clearly had, had to prep for this press conference – you know, one, it was the, why'd you have so many massage therapists? Ah, you know, people my age, social media. That was a terrible answer. And then the contract question, he was like, well, that wasn't until after I said I wanted to play here. Like, get out of here. That was to me night. It's a bull face lie. C- 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 yes. And, and, and it actually, his ability to 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 lie that quickly leads you like okay well you lie about that then then how do i believe anything else um what about this story about uh dale arnold who called brady going to tampa before anybody else is calling brady going to miami have you heard that well i mean i, I haven't heard it i mean i saw the story this morning to
1: me the craziest part because listen do you see stories now With athletes moving teams, I think anything that's taught us the last several years in all sports, you never say never. To me, the craziest thing would be I saw one of the Tampa Bay Gage, the dude from Atlanta that signed, was like, uh, Tom Brady called me and was like, Come. And, I, and he, like, did one of those classic where, it's like, you know, like when Tiger Woods or, you know, Obama or someone calls someone, they hang up because they think they're lying. But it actually was Tom Brady. Yeah. And then, he, and then he ends up going. Like, Tom clearly was doing that with all these guys that they resigned. So that, that to me was, is he just lying to all those guys? Because wh- why, you know, that's where it would seem a little out of left field. Did he promise all these guys, like, I'm back. That's why they all resigned. And then he's going to leave. I, I have a hard time thinking of that. Now, there were rumors, right, about like him, if he did come back before he unretired and said Tampa, that he might go to Miami and then eventually become like a part owner or something, tiny little percentage. But once he pledged coming back to Tampa, that, that would be very – that would be like his Phil Mickelson moment. It would feel very shady. It would be like you spent all this time, all this image – You pledge, you're coming back to Tampa. Then all these guys come back for you. Then you feel like, is this even Tom
0: Brady anymore? What's he he doing? How much does Matt Ryan have in the tank?
1: I think he's got some left. I I texted a couple people in the league, and I said, when they got Rivers two years ago or three years ago or whatever it was now, and when they got Matt Ryan, who was the better player? One guy said it was probably a coin flip, and the other thought Matty Ice. They, They would lean with Matty Ice. Regardless, like you look back a couple of years ago, Rivers was trending the wrong way, but he still was pretty good relative to what they needed, especially with their team. Their team is better now. Matt Ryan's an indoor guy. Uh, I mean, I, to me, they feel like a locked playoff team now. You know, if he, if he plays 17 games, which if you look at his history, he's a very, very durable player. Very durable player. So I, I think that they – now they don't have a first-round pick. They obviously don't have a third now because they traded for Matty Ice. But they already have a good nucleus. You know, does, do they get one of these free agent older guys on the team uh, that, that are still out there and then, you know, hit a couple guys in the draft, maybe have some young guys? I, you know, to me, they, they easily should have made the playoffs last year, right? They, they blew the game against the Raiders at the end of the year when the Raiders were on fumes. And then that Jags game, which kind of crazy that they've lost to the Jags since 2014 with like seven different quarterbacks on the road yeah. for like yeah. eight straight years. I mean, think it's, it's nuts. I think that ends this year uh, with, with Matty Ice. And, you know, again, like it's the AFC is really hard. But to me, there's two t- good teams in that division. And they last year, the difference in that division, right, is Tennessee swept them. And that was if you just win one of those two
0: games, the Indy's the, in the playoffs as a wild right. card. Okay, so um, help me out with Green Bay. There's got to be a plan there. Right. You don't have two of your top three wide receivers walk or trade one and not have a plan. Aaron Rodgers had to be in on the plan, but they haven't acquired anybody yet. What do you think the plan is in Green Bay?
1: The hell of a question. I mean they, they literally don't have wide receivers right now. You know, they they've lost two guys that were huge for them. Uh now they have shifted somewhat over the last couple of years running the ball and they have two really good running backs. So how do they acquire wide receivers? You know, there's still some veteran guys out there like a Julio Jones. But I think it's fair to say, like, you know, it's pretty risky at this point. But given Aaron, like, you could do that, maybe a low-money signing. To me, the thing that I can't get around, let's even say you use your two first-round picks on wide receivers. The chances that both those guys hit the ground running – you know, the history of the league would tell you that's not the case. Now, you would say the last three or four years, it's become a little bit easier. But a team that's going to pay a court, uh, quarterback $50 million, their goal isn't just to, like, be a good team. It's, like, to win playoff games. And then you're depending on 21, 22-year-old guys to be very, very productive players. Uh, I, I think it's just very, very risky. Now, you know, I know people that are very close with Devonte. I think it's been well reported. Like, he was done. He, he did not want to be there anymore. So they didn't really have, like, he was not going to sign the franchise tag. He was not going to show up. It, it was over. And they knew it. Why? And obviously he knew it. Why? Uh, I, I just, you know, ready for a change. I, I've been told, like, he has no problem with Rodgers. Uh, they're clearly not, I wouldn't say BFFs, but they had an incredible working relationship, right? Which is all that matters in football. I just think he was, he wanted to change. I mean, period, just simple. I, you know, I, I, I haven't asked him personally, but I... Everyone around him that I know was like he was ra- and clear, like he he wanted out. Now, you know, if the Raiders, let's say, were not willing to do that, like part of it was he wanted to be a Raider. He grew up a Raider fan. He, like his one of his best friends. He's known now for a like, decade as the quarterback of the team. So that, you know, is kind of unique circumstances. Now, I would tell him, and I listen, I, I like Derek personally. I think he's a very solid player, but he ain't Aaron. Aaron and. But I, I do think that Devontae, again, his relationship and experience with Derek while it was in the Mountain West or whatever, in his mind, he thinks, well, it might not be as good, but we can be damn close, and we're loaded and we'll rock and roll. Now, he got lucky that the Raiders were in a financial situation, right, with cap space or whatever, that they could pay him. Like, what if, what if the Raiders like, yeah, we're not willing to pay a guy that much money? Would he have still wanted to go to some random, maybe bad team? So, I, you know, it just worked out perfectly. Where Tyreek, Tyreek was going to go to whoever gave him, you know, more money than Devontae. And he was lucky that, like, a team in Florida w- w- was willing to do that. Because I think once the Chiefs saw that happen, you know, if they, if they could have got Tyreek back like $18 million a year or something, no problem. But once they realized the numbers were going to be so huge, they're like, okay, we'll just, we'll pivot. So I, because Green Bay wanted to keep Devontae. Devontae just wasn't into it. The Chiefs okay. once they saw the price point they're like yeah we're we're cool we'll, we'll transition.
0: Yeah, but how much does that change the Chiefs? Well a lot. I mean, he's I, listen, anyone that's
1: been watching sports now for a while, those three guys have to be one of the greatest combinations in NFL history, right, the last three or four years. They were a dominant, dominant combo. What was the Charger game this year when Tyreek literally just took a ball at the end of the game to the house, ran by about seven guys, and then they won in overtime with Kelsey? Like, at any moment, they turned into a basketball team. Like, we just got a couple guys that you guys have no chance to stop. The other thing is, their chemistry, remember that Bills, like the NFL films, once the, once the audio came out about Travis and Tyreek and Patrick, that last little sequence, it's like they knew each other like the back of their hand. And to me, it's just hard to replace. But talk to a buddy, and I just know the way they think there. Eventually, part of having Coach Reed, who I think, you know, beside Bills, second-best coach in the league, and having Patrick, easily one of the best one, two, three quarterbacks in the league, you, you live and die with them, and right. you kind of operate like the Patriots and kind of transition surrounding them. Ultimately, it's, no, it's easy to keep Kelsey because his price point is just way cheaper. You know, it's kind of crazy. These wide receivers, I mean, the top guys are now being paid like, you know, I wouldn't say NBA superstars, but like guys on their
0: uh, rookie max. Right, whereas t- tight ends still caught making, making tight end money. Well, like George,
1: George Kittle, Waller, and, and Kelsey make like $12, 13000000 million.
0: Right, and these other guys are making it in the 20s and, and, and getting money, money up front and guaranteed. John Middlecoff, three and out is the podcast. John, you're the best. I appreciate it. Go, go Bruins, baby. See you.